So everyone, this is my good friend Dave. Hello. And I'm telling you why he's here and why he's here. Well, I'm I'm here to talk to you, and it really started out as kind of podcasting, but from my point of view, it's all about storytelling. And so what I'm going to do today is, and, and thanks for giving me a nice extended long time, because I want to talk to you more about, you know, sometimes when we start talking about podcasting, people get hung up on the technical bits and pieces, the microphones and that kind of stuff, and we're going to get into that. But I want to kind of pull it back to a much bigger picture and talk about um, different ways of telling stories, which is probably something you've come across a few different um, approaches to. But I've uh, dug deep into my archive and busted out a few things that uh, I think you might enjoy to kind of show that, um, that there's more ways to tell a story. And even when you're telling a story, it doesn't just have to be audio or video or paper or something like that. So. Before I get too far into it, I wanted to introduce Andrew on the camera back there. And Andrew's been working on a film called With Glowing Hearts, and he does all kinds of other neat, interesting uh, projects. And so he's going to be shooting this. So for folks who weren't here, or if you want to look back on it so you don't have to take notes and don't have to obsess on it, eventually there'll be some, uh, some video for the historical record. And over here is my buddy Felix, who's going to have my back for uh, writing questions up on the board. Um, as we get deeper into the uh, talking about the audio mixing and taking your story and making it into something, he's going to jump in a little bit more and give you uh, some insight on some different audio editing software beyond the tools that I use. Um, so the way this is going to work is I'm going to start um, by spieling at you a little bit about some kind of big broad brushstrokes and big, the big picture of why you might want to do these audio programs. And then we're going to workshop a little bit about um, coming up with some ideas about some shows that you might want to do. And based on that, we're going to um, come up with a little idea of something we can make today. Because I thought it'd be nice to actually end up with having a little something something by the end of the, uh, the day today. So that way I can take you through the whole process since we have enough time for it. So in that second part, after we kind of come up with some ideas, I'm going to uh, geek out a little bit more with some uh, tools and equipment for you, some different microphones and some different setups that I use, you'll find that there's a ton of different ways to make these shows, and you don't have to get hung up, because, you know, I'm a, little, uh, I'm a little tight with the buck, right? So I like finding the ways that are, like, free or cheap um, to do it. So I'm going to teach you a whole bunch of different ways to, to make the shows. Um, and then uh, we'll do a little bit of recording stuff. And I have a few ideas, but maybe a, a different idea that will, will come up that I like more. But we'll do a little bit of recording, and then... Uh, start to uh, make it into something. And then once we've done that, I'm going to uh, move into the, so you've got this little MP3 file. How do you make it into a show? And how do you get an audience for it? And to me personally, um, this is, when I, when I do these kind of presentations to kind of businessy groups, this is the part that they really want to know. How do I promote and, and publicize my podcast and get an audience and turn it into marketing revenue and that kind of stuff. And so I'm a little cynical about that kind of stuff, but um, I'll try and curb the cynicism and just give you the tasty bits so you can uh, build up an audience and so you can really enjoy it. Because I find that um, art for art's sake is important, but it really comes to life uh, when you add audience and the audience kind of breathes life into the work that you're doing and gives a little sense of immediacy and, and inspiration to keep going with it. And then throughout the time, I'm going to uh, maybe bust out a few examples from my, my giant binder of inspiration, and, uh, and we'll see how that goes. Um, I think based on what I've been hearing from people talking about and what I see around here, I think you'll like some of the stuff that I've made. We'll take you back into the, uh, take you back into the old days when we do, used to do things back in the day. So, um, sound all right? Sound reasonable? 
Okay, and at any point you need to jump in with something, that's cool, but probably most everything that you're going to ask I've probably thought of, and it's noted here on one of these um, cards. This is, um, I, I don't really care for those PowerPoint presentations, so I, so I, I went ahead and uh, made some paper point presentation, <laughs> paper point presentation, um, and that way I can remember what it is that I'm going to tell you about. So we are talking about uh, podcasts. And, and what is a podcast? Well, I'm going to get into that a little bit more as we go along. But um, I'm going to start by saying that it's a horrible name for a thing. And sometimes people think that, um, you know, I tell people, especially when I started doing these shows, oh, I'm doing a podcast. And they're like, I can't listen. I don't have an iPod. I like it. That has nothing to do with it, right? Think about portable on demand, right? Or, uh, um, well, I'll get into more of that because I don't want to. I have a special slide for my definition of it. But the first step of doing all this is coming up with a plan. Now, um, it's one thing to jump in, and, and really you could do a, make a show without any kind of a plan, right? Um, a little one-off thing, or you're out at a, um, a you know, party or a show or something, you make some recordings, you're walking around with your friends, you make a recording, and great, you've made one thing. But really, in order to make something that's going to go on for years and kind of stand the test of time that 10 years from now, um, when you're sitting in front of a group like this, uh, running off about some other crazy topic, you these things still exist out there, but it really starts with uh, coming up with a plan. Now I find, yeah, let's free up some space there, um, the best plans start with passion. And for me getting in and starting to make my shows, and well, I'll, here, I might as well show you something from the archive here. Um, let me take you back to 1979. And... Uh, <clears throat> My mom did the, 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 the bulletin for the church, right, that had, like, the people who were speaking. And, and uh, wow, that took me 10 years to get that church out of my system, but I'm much better now, thank you. Um, but the cool thing was she had this ditto machine. And this was a crazy, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but um, here, I'll pass this around. Um, but it had, like, this cylinder, right? And it had, like, this, uh, well, this special kind of paper that had a carbon in it, and you'd right on the carbon, it would make a negative master, and you'd wrap it around this roll, and then you put in this weird uh, liquid, and they use these at schools and stuff, and you'd hand crank them, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. And uh, she had this, this, you know, she was always doing these church newsletters, and I thought, wow, I could use that to make my own newsletter. And I was really into hockey as a young eight-year-old kid, and I thought that, uh, you know, at the time, the general manager of the Canucks had just flown to, uh, to Sweden to recruit Swedish hockey players, which at the time seemed absurd. They play hockey in Sweden? And, uh, but that's really where my passion came from, is finding something that, a story that I wanted to tell, and then connecting it to the equipment, and then wazam, all of a sudden you have something. So the trick is finding something you care about to start a series out of, or else you're going to get really bored really quick from it. Now, it's also important to realize that, now with this one there, what does it say at the top for subscribers? How many subscribers? Where? Somewhere up at the top. 35. There you go, 35. And that took uh, a lot of hard work to get those 35 out to those people. Fortunately, the internet has come along and it makes this, this part of it a lot easier. Um, and the exciting part about that is instead of uh, spreading my message to 35 people, and let's be honest, maybe about 12 of them read it, all right? Um, <laughs> Um, now you can pontify. And now, I, I don't know if this is a real word, but pontificate is. But it's, it's too long to fit on, on here. Um, and what this means is that you have the ability now to record and spread your words, and it can literally go to a worldwide audience without any more effort than it takes to share it with your next-door neighbor. And to me, once I realized that, it was tremendously exciting. And, and since you have this opportunity, I think it's not one to be taken lightly. 
and it doesn't have to be serious stuff, but you got to realize that all these words that you put out there to the people, they're going to live on for quite some time. The internet, now there's no secrets anymore, right? And the stuff lives on forever. You know, hey, uh, Carla, if you want, you can even see, I have issue one of that too. Look at this one. It, it heralds the eclipse of the sun. And down here, I was looking at this before I came, it said the next eclipse of the sun won't happen for another 500 years. So you're all out of luck. That's all I'm telling you. I saw it. I like the name. Pigs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always liked pigs for some reason. So, important stuff, um, make your stuff awesome because uh, it's going to go out there to the people and you have this opportunity to, to spread it uh, to a great audience. And it's also great because uh, these things are homemade. And, um, well, we grow up seeing a lot of TV and a lot of radio and when I first started doing these um, grassroots media projects, people expected stuff, especially in terms of film, kind of expected stuff to look like 60 Minutes or to act like the news. And even now I watch, you know, The Daily Show sometimes and watch Saturday Night Live last night and they're doing this funny stuff. But why are they always wearing suits and ties, right? Why, why should I get my information from someone wearing a tie, right? And especially creeps me out when it's people younger than me wearing a tie. I'm like, dude, you've sold out. You don't have to. Release yourself from the bounds. <laughs> But the great thing is that we can reinvent these shows without any kind of rules or constraints that are put on by traditional media. You know, in, this, um, you know, in terms of radio, they always have to be uh, scheduling in the station identifiers, the commercials, and, and you know, we've got to break for news, we've got to break for the commercials, so you're listening to a great song, you're all excited, they're telling a story, and now we've got to go to some diamond commercial, or, you know, listen to the CBC, and I love the CBC because they have no commercials, but it's like... All right, well, we just heard a smoking set of jazz there recorded live in Montreal. Now we're going to go to the news. Boom, boom, boom. In Abbotsford, 12 more dead, and don't shake hands with anyone. Ah, oh, buzzkill, right? So because you have your own shows to make, you don't have to uh, rely on any of those constraints whatsoever. This can be exactly what you want to spread and the way you want to spread it. And bear in mind, too, that pretty much everything I tell you today applies to videos at well, um, similar, in a similar manner as it does to audio. But I'm going to give you a few reasons, and I'm going to have Felix right on the board about why I prefer, well, not right this second, hold on, don't worry, don't, you will leap into action shortly. By the way, the beard is looking awesome, too, man. yeah, backwoodsman. Um, why I prefer audio storytelling to video storytelling. Um, but the important thing about this is it has to bring you pleasure doing it. If you're not enjoying making your art or making your craft or whatever, you're not going to stick with it. So you've got to find something that, um, a routine that makes it pleasurable. And where I really find the pleasure is the sense that I'm, one, I'm making messages from my future self. You know, do you know who Jack Kerouac is? Familiar with Jack Kerouac or a book called On the Road? Um, he did it. He, he was an obsessive writer. He wrote so much. People would be like, Jack, why are you always clackety-clacking on that typewriter and writing in that notebook. And he's like, well, I need to have something interesting to read when I'm old, so I, I, I better write it down. So I get a lot of pleasure making these little messages to a future self, but also I get tremendous pleasure when um, I get notes and cards, and because uh, I really like stuff on paper as you're probably starting to catch on. And, 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 and it's one thing for people to send me an email or put a comment on something, hey, I liked your show, oh, great. But when someone uh, responds has found something I've made and responds and remixes it, does something different from it. There's one I did where I was walking around in a little small town in south central Washington. I'd gone down to uh, my father-in-law's house for Thanksgiving in this town of about like 800 and middle of nowhere. I was like, oh, geez, all right, I'm going out for a walk. And so I just decided to record the whole, my whole walk around. And let's just say some 
I, I ran this as some hijinks. And someone enjoyed the show so much, they went and did a Google Map mashup where they recreated my route, walking, stumbling around the neighborhood, and made this Google Map out of it, right? Um, so that's really where the pleasure comes, is these interactions with your future self, for lack of a better term, and interactions with, uh, with your audience, who have really become, really become an active part of the thing. So, um, I mentioned portable on demand. These, um, these little shows, um, you can listen to them any which way except for over the airwaves, right? Um, you can listen to them um, on your iPod, on your iPhone, on your Zune, or um, on any kind of devices. On the, uh, on the, uh, do anyone have a TiVo at home? TiVo? You can subscribe to podcasts on a TiVo. I'm not, I'm not sure how that works into people's media consumption routine, but you can. Xbox, you can do that way. Um, my dad, I, I make another show about, uh, called The Canucks Outsider, based, you know, sort of a continuation of that, uh, that early one, since 1979. Um, and he could never figure out how to listen to shows. I'm like, well, there's a little play button right on the web page, too. So he sits there, and he's afraid that if he opens up another web page that, that the audio will stop. So he just sort of sits there and... <laughs> looks at his computer and, and listens to it, and, and that's great too. But the great thing about these things is they're portable and they can, um, they can travel with you. And so um, that's great for a consumer standpoint, but also when you're preparing the shows, um, you're able to realize that you're sticking in someone's ears while they're on the bus. Um, I always say my shows are, are C-bus length because I take the C-bus a lot. And uh, so this sort of you develop these relationships by hanging out in someone's head. So it's a real sense of... Um, Mm, intimacy is not the right word, but familiarity, maybe? Okay. Now, Felix, let us make a list of why I prefer audio storytelling to video storytelling. And you might, um, you might disagree, and that's totally fine, and you can, should do exactly what you want. But my first reason that I prefer audio storytelling to video storytelling is because it's easier on your computer. Less processor intensive, or you can translate these any way you want. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it is a list, but you can say, uh, you know, less processor intensive, cheaper, easier, whichever you want for that one, okay? Um, the next thing is, um, well, and let me unpack that just a little bit more in the sense that um, some of you do video editing, probably, right? You need a lot of uh, processor power, you need a lot of hard drive space, you need a lot of extra equipment. Um, there's a lot more variables. You are talking about lighting earlier, and you really need good lighting, and it's, it's totally key to making good video. With audio, you have a lot less technical variables with that. Also with audio, I can record um, anywhere. So let's call this next one um, slightly more discreet. Yes. And what I mean by that is nothing, nothing, nothing creepy going on. But um, I record quite a bit on the C-Bus as well. So I'll be sitting, I'm that guy sitting there in the back corner like with my microphone. Or sometimes I'll pretend I'm talking in my phone or whatever so I don't look like a total creep or something. Right? But as soon as you bring out a video camera anywhere, people start changing the way they act and behave. Right? You know, people can be, and, I, I, and I've done um, quite a bit of film work and uh, making documentary films. And you sit down and do an interview with someone, right? And... Uh, and be like, okay, great, this is what we're going to do. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about this. This is going to be great. I'm really excited. And look how animated I am. And as soon as you hit record, um, so uh, people freeze up and freak out a little bit, right? And so what I would do when I was doing that, I'd be like, okay, that's great. We'd leave the camera record running, and then they'd be like, oh, oh, you know what I meant to say is blah, 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 blah
And then uh, even like uh, I'll go out with um, a video camera and, and document like war protests or something like that. And, and people, some people have unreasonable expectations about the rights to privacy in public spaces, right? You can't videotape me. <laughs> like, well, first of all, I can. But two, could you just like go back to what you're doing because it makes much better footage than yelling in my lens. With the with the microphone, um, you can be pretty low key with it, and so you can really capture that real life um, spontaneous experience a lot easier. Okay, the next one, and this is the, the, probably the biggest one. Um, audio leaves more to the imagination. All right? Um, and what I mean by this is when you're watching, like I said earlier, I'm, when I'm watching Jon Stewart, I'm like, wow, Jon Stewart, you're, you're, you're quite witty, but dude, why are you wearing this suit and tie? Is that the same tie? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're looking at people's hair, you're looking at the set decoration, you're looking on how the lighting is, well, they should have done it like that. Why do they switch cameras like that? There's all these different distractions, I think, that removes itself away from the essential part of the storytelling or the shtick, whatever it is, right? With audio, uh, people don't know what you look at, and this used to be a thing with uh, radio stations. Radio stations kind of changed the way that they um, market to the public, but it used to be radio DJs were always... Joke saying, oh, you have a face for radio, which means like if you're handsome and a good talker, you go on TV. If you're not so handsome and a good talker, you go on radio. Now radio stations market their personalities a little bit more, but it adds this mystique because you don't know who it is. And, you know, I've been doing these uh, audio shows for, for a number of years now, and, and it gets to the point where people are like, hey, I'm coming to Vancouver, can I buy you lunch, and stuff like that. And people don't really realize I'm just a sucker with a day job, and it's like, yeah, I'd love for you to buy me lunch, dude, but like I have to book an hour off work, I gotta do this, and I gotta go home because I gotta do the dishes and hang out with the wife and the kid and you know. But when I do meet up with someone, they're always like, wow, you're nothing like I expect you to be. I'm like, I pour I'm completely myself when I'm talking, but people get their own impressions about your physical appearance and stuff like that, which really is the least important thing of the whole thing that you're doing, right? And it doesn't matter, um, it's not so much of a subjective thing as it's a distraction thing. So audio leads way more to the imagination, which is really the most exciting thing for me. And um, finally, um, I find that um, in video work, audio um, is, all, is, is often overlooked, right? Sometimes when you go to a big movie, especially with the new movie theaters, when they've got the Dolby 5.1 surround and all that, but most people, you know, many people now at their home have as a good of a sound system at home on their TV as they do at a, as a movie theater. But still, it's not really optimized for that audio experience. And I love, um, when I do my recordings, um, and I'll get into more of this when we do talk more about production, but using a stereo mic, and so I'll be walking around London, and you'll hear sirens going in, like, ooh, I'm going to record the siren. It's going across your head. The sea bus noises, the bus noises, truck noises, and all that kind of stuff. And it really makes for an immersive um, atmosphere. So maybe immersive would be the good word for that. For this one? For the next one, another one on there. Uh, anyone? Anyone? Immersive. I am immersive. I am M E R. There you go. No, it starts with an I. So, comments about that part of it? Do you? Why do you prefer uh, audio or video uh, yourself? Anyone? Hit me. I know you got something to say. Yeah. No? Yeah, well, why do you like video more than audio? Like, just respond to, to, to this topic. Oh, saved by the bell, you think? <laughs> Fat chance. Fat chance. 
I mean, you get what I'm saying with audio? What kind of media do you mostly consume? What do you find that you feel most comfortable with? Like, I find when I'm watching television, it's really passive. When I'm listening to um, audio, sort of um, a middle ground between reading something and watching something. Watching is very passive. Reading is very engaging. And audio, um, it gives me uh, the prompts to get started and puts me in an atmosphere and puts me in a mood, but allows my brain to sort of fill in all the rest of this stuff. Wow, what does it look like when they're walking through here or doing this? <laughs> Come on in. All right. Does anyone? How about this? Does anyone entirely disagree with me that uh, about any of these things here? I find it really interesting, actually. Um, I've never. I've always been interested in audio uh, because I started listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm-hmm. as a, the BBC special, and I totally, I found it totally engaging. Like in a way, like you said, it's like you're really engaged in your imagination. But I'm a photographer, and so things are really visual for me. So it's an interesting kind of. All good. Put a note on there saying enhanced podcasts, and I'll remember to talk about that when you get in production, and that's it's going to be a little special spiel for you. Um, and, you know, uh, the BBC and the CBC, I mentioned CBC earlier, both of those are, are huge kind of um, inspiration points. Hi. Make yourself comfortable. And, you, know, you, you missed all the best part here. It's about, it's about old-timey fanzines. Um, uh, BBC and CBC are a huge trove of great storytelling, and uh, CBC has a show called Dispatches that I really like. Oh, we're here in Kenya, and we're discovering the problems with children working in the diamond mines. And it's like, they could be talking about whatever. I don't, like, you're supposed to care about it because it's a socially, politically sensitive topic or something, but the reason I actually care about it is because it sounds really cool, and they're like, you know, they're in an exotic location, and I can sort of fill my mind while I'm on the sea bus going to my day job. I can fill my mind, and I'm like, oh, there I am. I'm in Nairobi. I'm in Paris. I'm in... You know, all these different places where looking at it on a screen, it's like, oh, yeah, just what I expected it to look like. When it's audio, it leaves a lot more uh, flexible space. Okay. You can sit back down for a second, Felix. I don't want to work it too hard. All right. Now, the other thing that's awesome about podcasts as a format is that they're subscribable. Okay? It's no big deal now to, uh, like, it's not a... uh, you know, the ability to make your own little radio show, radio-like show, um, has been around for a long time. I used to do it on cassette tapes long before I had any kind of digital equipment. And so that part isn't tricky. And even when digital stuff came out, um, in fact, I have an article here I wrote in 1999 for a newspaper in Olympia, Washington. The real lowdown on MP3 downloads. And it was this, uh, this whole article about um, um, copyright. And actually, it's like I was looking into the future about all these copyright and, and litigation things. It's back before, uh, back before the bit torrents. It's a long time ago, where you had to use Usenet to get uh, your illegal uh, song downloads. Whew. Wow, was that inconvenient. Um, but it talks all about the ASCAP and BMI and licensing and all this kind of different stuff. I'll pass this around just for fun. You know, I, I, find, I, I probably should have added some sort of picture into the article, like the big solid text blocks. I don't think people were really digesting that very well, but, you know. Um, but because of the subscribability of podcasts, which is really, uh, here, go ahead, um, uh, really just adding RSS, you know, RSS, real simple syndication. I'll get more into that later on. But it used to be you'd put your show up there on a web page and someone would have to think, to, oh, I should go every month to see if he's put up new little audio programs, right? And then, you know, it kind of tails off and it's hard to keep an audience. Now, with these shows being subscribable, it's just like having a magazine subscription where it shows up on your front porch every month. Do people still subscribe to magazines? Yeah. Um, uh, where it, it falls into their iTunes directory or whatever aggregator they're using. So 
as soon as I publish a show, I just I hear the little files whisking around the world, and all these computers all around the world are simultaneously downloading this new exciting file. And then they're gonna the next day they're gonna open it up and it's gonna be like Christmas for them. They're gonna be like, oh, there's a new show. I'm so excited. The old way before the subscribability. They would have to like think like, oh yeah, I'm bored at work. I'm bored. What should I do? Well, should I sit down and watch TV, or should I go find that web page of that one guy that I listened to that show six months ago and see if he's got a new show? Subscribability makes it a lot easier. Okay, so back to what uh, a podcast is. Sum up all of that. Uh, because of all this confusion about, oh, I don't have a iPod, I can't possibly listen to podcasts. I describe them uh, to my, gr- the way I describe them to my granny is they're wee little internet audio programs. <laughs> That's really what they are. So if you think of them in terms of uh, just making these, these little nuggets of, of storytelling and just floating them out there through the subscribability, you all of a sudden can see how this can be something that can take on a life of its own. So how is it that you start making your show? Well, pardon me, why short beverage. <clears throat> like any kind of storytelling, it starts with um, having a certain point of view. Now, my, uh, my, my, you know, uh, how do I describe this? I, for lack of a better word, I, 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 I worked a lot of different mixed media stuff. Like, I'll do a show. I did a project recently for, uh, for TransLink the folks who do the buses and such, and uh, they, they had I Love Transit week. And I have kind of have, have a love-hate relationship with transit because I, it's like my second home, and I kind of get sick of it sometimes, but I was like, well, I should probably do this. But I didn't really know what was the best way to tell this story, and I realized I didn't have to choose just one way. I could have several different ways. So what I, I told them when they asked me to do it, I said, okay, here's my terms. You have to publish everything I send you without editing any of it, and uh, you have to let me on to the uh, inaugural voyage of the, th- of the new third sea bus. Which they said, yes, on the first, and we'll try on the second. So I'm like, eh, okay, that's some terms I can live with. The new sea bus is, by the way, on the docks there in, uh, in North Van. It's all like, it looks like a sea bus, except fancier. <laughs> Although, I got to get this off my chest. They had a contest to name the thing, right? And, and, and I entered it like six times because, you know. Um, <laughs> The name that they chose, does anyone know what it is? No. Pacific Breeze. No. Isn't that like an antiperspirant? Yeah. You know, isn't that like a, a flavor of Gatorade? Yes, it's like a for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Woo, there's a Pacific Breezer. Woo. Isn't that a horrible name? Especially when you look at the other two. Uh, the other ones are the Burrard Otter and the Burrard Beaver. So it's like, well, we have an animal theme going on. Why do they deviate from the animal theme and go to Pacific, Pacific Breeze? <laughs> I think it's weak. Do you know what my idea was? <laughs> sockeye. The Burrard Sockeye. That's a good one, huh? Better, yeah, yeah. It sounds, it sounds a little badass. It's local, you know. Yeah. So for, once you start, uh, so um, I decided to do um, an audio piece of this story for the transit thing, um, a written part of it, and um, some photos, and then I, I do... Um, uh, quite a bit of my writing on transit, so I had some sort of transit-inspired poetry, right? So I put together these kind of four components of this story pack and sent it all off, off to them, and sure enough, they, they were true to their word, published the whole thing. Um, 
But in order to make that uh, story successful, you have to come up with some point of view that you're coming from and introduce that point of view clearly. And, and, and the same is with your uh, podcast. And your first, oh, here it is, point of view. Uh, and coming with this point of view, you know, you have to decide, am, am I an expert on this topic? Am I an explorer on this topic? Am I writing about other people's adventures? Am I, uh, am I making basically a personal audio diary? What's my point of view with this with, with this thing, and, it, and there's no right answer, right? It, and, um, and you might find for different series that you do, because you don't have to just make one podcast, because by the end of the thing, you'll know how to do everything for free, or maybe cheap, but mostly free. Um, you can have several different ones that they all kind of have a different feeling. Like I make a show um, that's like a spoken word literature show that's very different than the one I do about hockey, and it's very different than the one that I do that's like, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, kind of counterculture hijinks going around the world getting in trouble. Um, and they're all very different point of view. And, you know, and, and as I'll get more into the, the, the voice and the way I present it changes a little bit. And that's because um, you become a character. Now, this doesn't say caricature. You don't become like a goofy version of yourself. But when you hit record and you start making these shows, um, it's like being an actor, except not acting. You know, it's about becoming your essential self on this thing. And when you hit record, you need to be a character. You're, um, a good way to think of it is you become the bus driver, right? When you're listening, you're riding on the bus. When you're uh, running the show, you're driving the bus. And if you let that bus deviate and uh, veer off into the ditch or the median, well, you've got no one else to blame but yourself. So you've got to get comfortable with being, um, being a character. I'm going to hold off to these for just a second. <clears throat> so really, it's your voice plus... Your point of view equals podcast. So if anyone's mathematically inclined now, it makes a lot more sense. He doesn't. This is as far as I got in, in math, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think that was... <laughs> what can I tell you? I grew up in Wally. Schoolwork wasn't encouraged. Now, uh, um, and that's really the, the, the formula. Is, and, it's, um, and it sounds kind of egotistical to say this, but your show is all about you. Right, and um, you have complete editorial control because you don't have to run it up the ladder to get approval on any of this stuff. You don't have to ask some editor or some producer, or you don't have to do multiple takes. You do it exactly how you want to do it, and that's it. Now, a lot of people, well, actually, I'm going to hold off on these ones as well. Now, so there you are. You're ready to make your show, uh, and you have to kind of get comfortable being in character. And this is um, a trick, and certainly this has been talked about by many people throughout the years, um, about visualizing your audience. And, uh, and you can't, if you start visualizing all these different people spread all around the world at once, or you start visualizing on people who are going to be um, critical or who are maybe more experienced at this are going to be looking at very like, hmm, well, what you should have done, right? You're going to totally get yourself bogged down. You're going to be second-guessing everything that you do. It. So you've got to kind of come up with who is your audience. And this might be an imagined person, or as your shows grow on and go on and they start getting an audience, you'll start to realize, oh, yeah, yeah, there's that person who sent me this thing, or maybe that's kind of who I'm talking to. And it makes it a lot easier because it, it is awkward. Even if you've done it dozens and dozens of times, when you hit record, you're like, who are you talking to? Because you're sitting out there, and you know, I record my shows a lot. I'm sitting on a park bench here in the middle of nowhere, or here and there. And it's, it's kind of weird because you're like, well, you're talking to yourself, right? So you, by visualizing that, that audience, um, it makes it much more comfortable. And the end result, you'll find that the shows sound much more um, immersive and, uh, and intimate.
which means that you have to embrace your internal dialogue. Maybe it's just me, but do you guys have like kind of like there's always like this, this, uh, this track, like this uh, narration track going on in the back of your head? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a relief because I thought, thought maybe it's just me. <laughs> um, you and this internal dialogue got to get friendly because if you start um, editing, self-editing from the time you have the thought to the time it reaches your mouth, you're going to go off the tracks and you're going to get hung up on words. You're going to get hung up on nuance. That doesn't really matter. Fumbling through words is all right. Mixing up metaphors is all right. It all adds to the charm and the personality of your show, right? And the way to do this is to become comfortable and, and allow things to go right from here, right out to here, with bypassing all this up here. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. <laughs> and it gets a little tricky, but if you could, the, the better you get at this, and when I first started making these little uh, We Internet audio programs, um, I would, it would be a whole bunch of little audio chunks of 45 seconds here, two minutes there, five minutes there, seven minutes there, and then I'd have to go in there and glue them all together. And uh, anyone who's done any uh, audio or video editing knows that um, it's the, the editing, and man, that's, that's kind of the drag, right? Like that's where the work is. That's like the, that's like the lonely hours in the dark room. And the editing the shows gets to, can, can really like, mm, you know, dampen some of that passion that I talked about earlier because uh, when you're out there and you're, you're on set and there's cameras and there's lights and there's people and everyone wants to be involved, that's fun, right? Being out there and talking and running my mouth about stuff that I you know, don't really know much about, but I pretend I do, that part's really fun, right? I'm not doing an interview with Ross Rebliotti, gold medal snowboarder, wow, how's it going, man? That part's really fun. The going in and sitting in the room and saying, you know, I could be doing like 12 different other things right now, but I've got the headphones on and I'm obsessing and backing up and chopping these things up. Um, the more comfortable you can get with your internal dialogue, the less time you spend doing that stuff, okay? Um, and it's kind of that idea of having, you know, let's do that first take. Let's ha hammer it through the whole way. Except you're not dependent on other people to do it. You're only dependent on yourself. And because you go back to that thing I said at the beginning, that you're just leaving messages to your future self, and you envision that audience of one who already thinks that you're awesome, you can really get away with just about anything with that. <clears throat> so in other words, you're talking to yourself. Get over it. Okay. All these things that I'm telling you about the passion and what I'm going to tell you here about the planning in just a second is to prevent something that some people call pod fade. And when podcasts burst on the scene several years ago, it was quickly co-opted by a bunch of marketing people who want to talk about, bam, you're here on my podcast, which is called My Podcast, and we're part of the My Podcasting Network. And today on My Podcast, we'll be talking about other podcasts, and we'll be giving some promos to some other podcasts that you might want to listen to, and they're all coincidentally about podcasting and making podcasts, and some of them are about technology. All right, so we're going to start off here on my podcast. Oh, God. You don't have to have any of that stuff, right? Um, so I call that remove the meta. This is the remove the um, meta uh, rule, or in other words, no blah, 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 blah. I, um, I kind of take it to an extreme a little bit where most of my uh, shows that I make, um, because I want them to be timeless. I want people to find them in a time capsule 50 years from now when maybe the URL doesn't exist anymore or my name's really irrelevant to the whole thing. So I, most of my shows have no 
they don't even have a go to my website thing. I don't, I don't start at the beginning, hi, this is Dave and you're listening to my pie. I just remove all of that, man. People are smart. They can figure it out. They figured out how to download your show, right? You think that they probably figured out what it is already? It says it right there. You know, they look on their iPod and it says name of podcast. It has a description. It has your name. You don't need all that crap, right? You have a chance here. People have gone through this effort to download your show, stick it on their iPod. And they've chosen as they're sitting on the C bus or whatever they call a C bus is where wherever they live, um, uh, hopefully not the Pacific Breeze, uh, <laughs> and you've got them to that point. You don't need to sell them on it anymore, man. They're already there, right? And if they like the show, you know they're going to go find where they live and how to get more, right? So you can remove all that crap. Sounds reasonable, right? And that's like even, it goes back to TV and radio where like radio obsesses, obsesses on like channel IDs, you're listening to blah, blah, blah. Okay, so doing that removes uh, uh, pod fate. And this is make three podcasts and you're done. Oh, nobody's listening, man. This isn't fun. I thought that was going to be all awesome and I was going to get babes and free concert tickets. I've made three podcasts. And, and, and it's disappointing sometimes. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, you know... Uh, out searching for some new podcast to add to my routine because I'm, you know, I've listened to all the dispatches and all the vinyl cafes and, and I'm looking for something new and I'll be like, wow, this sounds great. And there's two episodes and the last one was in 2007 or something. And, uh, and I listened to one where, um, I, you know, because I really like literature, right? And I find these guys that have the American Literature Podcast and their description, you know, sounds like a couple of college kids somewhere. They're literature students. This is going to be great. I'll love this. By the third episode, they're like, you know, we don't really know why we started this podcast anyway. So I think this is going to be our last episode. It's like, dude, if there's one thing worse than quitting after three episodes, it's explaining <laughs> that you're quitting after three episodes. Dude, you've wasted my time, man. And, and then they're like, you know, we're going to read The Great Gatsby for you here on the thing. And I'm like, why do you read? They can read that. Why don't you discourse on it? Engage in a conversation about it. Do something better. What pe- what's people writing now? Where were you when you first read Great Gatsby? What's the important part? Remember Andy Kaufman reading Great Gatsby on Saturday Night Live? Come on. Come up with a topic. You don't need to sit there and read it, right? Now, there are podcasts um, out there. Um, that's a very important project, the, the LibriVox project. It's kind of like Project Gutenberg where they're trying to take all this classic stuff and make it generally available for, for the public. Um, you know, there's especially stuff that's in, specifically stuff that's in the public domain. Because uh, I'm sure all of you are, are total exceptions to this, but it turns out people don't read much these days. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You you're all read important novels. And, and when I say important novels, I don't mean Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and you always hear these statistics. Uh, after college, most people only read three books the rest of their entire life, and two of those are like self-help books or something like that. So there's a really important project out there called LibriVox, where they're taking classic works in their public domain, and people volunteer to read them and turn in chapters. And, and it can be a real neat experience, especially um, if, it's, uh, you know, if, if it just works out better in your, your working routine or doing whatever you're doing, that it's easier for you to consume literature as an audio experience or supplement it to, to the reading about it. But I think where podcasts are really strong is adding a level of conversation and context about it. You know, like getting through James Joyce's Ulysses, that's a tough paper route, right? But if you have a podcast to go along with it, uh, and this was a cool project someone on CBC did on the radio, which um, probably is out there somewhere on podcast, where every week they dissected another chunk of it, and people would send in their little audio feedback, well, what I think they're, they're get, he's getting at here, and why I think this part was controversial, and, 
and you know that's a particularly interesting case too because Ulysses was was horrib- was was famously banned for many many years in the U.S. Right, and th- you know the court decision came down. They declared it not pornographic, even though it had all this. And and it turned out that most people who were making the rulings and saying, "Oh, this is a horrible book," they couldn't possibly got through the thing because it's an incredibly dense piece of prose. You really have to commit to reading this thing, right? So there is a um, an opportunity here for you to go um, beyond the reading and beyond the just dissemination information and wrap in a conversation around it. Okay, so great. You know what podcasts are. You know to embrace your internal dialogue, blah, blah, blah. So how do you start on one? You come up with a show topic and you come up with 20 episode topics. That seems like, holy crap, that's a lot. But if it's something you're passionate about, you should be able to come up with like, ooh, I could do three about this. They kind of fit together as a series. Or I really want to do this. And, and I'm going to go back to the example of Postcards from Gravelly Beach, which is my spoken word literature uh, show that um, admittedly has, well, I think it's a pretty safe bet to, to say that it has the fewest listeners of all my shows. But it's messages to future self, right? Conversation about important topics. <laughs> And this was really easy for me because I'm like, I've talked to people and, and, and you know, anyone who hadn't read Henry David Thoreau's Walden, what do you, how do you not do that, right? And I thought I keep on, you know, as I'm traveling around the American West, I would keep on running in different situations where I'd see Lewis and Clark had actually been here and I got the Lewis and Clark jur- uh, journals and I'm like, wow, isn't that cool to sit in the same place that they were at and read or, you know, be somewhere and read an entry that they wrote on this exact day in history and put that in some kind of modern context. Or um, being in San Francisco, and I was like, I want to do a little poetry walk um, when I was in San Francisco one time, so I got some Jack Kerouac San Francisco blues, and he speaks about a specific intersection. So I went there to that specific intersection where that he described in his poem, and I read the poem, described what it looks like now. And I started, you know, there's all these different things I want to do. So the list coming up with the uh, 20 topics was relatively easy in this case. But... Before you hit recording, your first thing you're like, oh yeah, there's so I'm really into insert topic here. This will be no problem, right? But no, really, before you start into it, and before you get drugged down, and before you hit that three-episode wall, which really does happen to people, actually make a list. Actually write them down. Okay? So we're gonna pause for a few minutes while I sip some more tea, and before we kind of segue into the production uh, part of it, and I want you to um, does anyone have pens and papers? Okay. Um, let's give everybody like a five minute break. Yeah, let's take five minutes and then come back with a pen and paper and we're going to make some lists. All right? Yeah, possible.